believe that the Bible is the Word of God and that all of it is useful for teaching us, for rebuking us, for correcting us, and for training us in how to live right, so that the servant of God may be fully equipped for every good work. So let's open the Bible and let's look at it together. Acts 2, verses 36 to 41. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off. For all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them. And he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted this message were baptised, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So, what's next? We've just spent two weeks in the story of Pentecost. People have been filled with the Spirit of God for the first time. God has released and strengthened gifts of prophecy and gifts of tongues in people. We've been basking in the promise of God for the past couple of weeks. So what's next? Pentecost is one of the most important things that happens in the Bible. It's no exaggeration to say the church would literally not exist if Pentecost hadn't happened. But what's just as important is what happens next. Because what happens next tells you what it's for, right? I'm, I'm a big Marvel guy. I know a lot of people say that, but I mean it. Like I grew up watching the Spider-Man cartoons, the X-Men cartoons, the Iron Man cartoon that no one knows exists. Like I, I played the video games, I read the comics, I did everything. Like I was the guy in 2012 telling everyone who Thanos was when no one had any idea. Like, you can trust my credentials when I say it's a common thing in comics and a common thing in superhero films that just before the big climactic fight, there's an arming scene. You know, the, 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 the hero uh, picks up a new weapon, wears a new costume or gets struck by lightning in a way that somehow helps. And what that tells you is that at that point, it's on. Like, the climax is coming, the big fight is coming. Which is the point of those scenes, right? The point of them is to build you up and prepare you for the big fight. Because without knowing, without that big fight, the power is pointless. Without what's next, the power is pointless. So that being said, it's really important we look at what's next after the champagne moment of the church being filled with the Spirit of God for the first time because it tells us what it was all for. Now, if you've come, been uh, with us for this series, if you're with us for the first week of this series, you'll know what's next. 
What's next is Peter stands and proclaims the gospel of Christ for the first time. It's what Phil and Elizabeth talked about four weeks ago, being filled with the Spirit of God, being empowered by God and God's people witnessing about him. And what we read in the middle of Acts 2 is the Spirit-empowered Peter's message to Jerusalem. I, I don't have time, I'm afraid. I just don't have the time to, to go over all of Peter's preach in, in detail. Jump into the Everyday Devotions this week and you'll see uh, a bit more detail about that. But for now, I just want to focus on the end of the message. I want to focus on what we've just heard in Acts 2, 36 to 41. So far, before this passage, Peter has used the words of David. He's used Israel's most beloved king, uh, Israel's most important king, most famous king, to help the Jews that are listening to him understand that this Jesus that they're hearing about was the Messiah all along. And it's that moment when Peter goes for the throat. In verse 36, he says, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, who you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Make no mistake, Peter is risking his life when he says this, right? He's surrounded by thousands of Jews and he's telling them that Jesus was not only the long-awaited Messiah, but he was the Lord. He was God himself. That kind of language will get you killed. It'll get you stoned specifically. We know this because when Jesus said similar things about himself, the text says that they looked to stone him. And having said all that, Peter then says, you killed him. It cannot be anything other than the protection of God that gets Peter through this alive. And he knows, he must know, that the, he's taking a huge risk by saying this. But the, by the courage given by the Spirit, Peter's hope in the promise of God gives him the boldness to proclaim this offensive, dangerous message to the people. It works. The text says that the people are cut to the bone. They don't know what to do next. And Peter's follow-up is really clear. Repent and be baptised. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. That's it. That, that's, that's it. Repent, or to put it another way, turn away from your sin and turn towards God and be baptised. It's not get circumcised, make sure you sacrifice on these feast days, pray in this way, fast now, put that down, go over there, now come back here, now say these words, definitely don't say those words, wear these clothes, but only on a Tuesday and Thursday, don't eat that, it's not organic. No, 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 no. It's repent and be baptised. That's all. It's so small and so significant. So simple and so hard. Peter goes on, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now that's not Peter giving you a precise order of events. Plenty of people are filled with the Spirit before they are baptised, myself included. What he's doing is not providing a flowchart, but by saying what we have received is for you too. And who does Peter mean by you? Well, verse 39, you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. It's for everyone. 
You don't have to behave a certain way. You don't have to dress a certain way. You don't have to come from a certain background. You just have to repent and be baptised. That's the beautiful tension of the gospel. It's so offensive. Very few people recognise that they need to repent from sin, right? It's so offensive, but it's so inclusive. Jesus isn't just the Messiah of the Jews. He's the saviour of the world. And his church is called to reflect that. We're called to invite anyone and everyone to hear the good news of Jesus Christ, to tell the whole world what we have received is for you too. So as a church family, our life groups, our services, our prayer meetings and everything in between should reflect that. In Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth, he admonishes them for having services that would be meaningless to unbelievers. He does that because the church is called to invite all people into God's family. Hear me, when I say the church, I don't mean the elders, I don't mean the staff team, I don't mean the organisation, whatever that means. It's about all of us. Expecting leaders to make everything happen is corporation, it's not church. I'm talking about the culture that we all set when we gather. I'm talking about you, brother. I'm talking about you, sister. I'm talking about all of us. We are all called to share our faith individually and we are all called to share our faith as a family when we come together. That's never going to work if it's just leaders talking about it. It needs to be all of us and not just talking about it, but creating a culture that invites and welcomes people so they can explore Jesus with us. When we pray together, we pray for people who are not yet believers to be in our midst, right? So when we gather, we should expect that to be the case. We want to witness to unbelievers just how Peter did, never compromising on the truth but including everyone in the promises of God, letting all who can hear us know what we have received is for you too. Because we're doing that, we need to love people as the family of God. After all, we're calling people to live radically differently. Why would they do that? Why would they listen to us if we don't show them that we care about them, we don't, if we don't show them the love of God? It's not complicated. It's just doing what the church has done for 2,000 years. It's about thinking about others before ourselves. Not just running, it's about not just running straight to your friends every week, but looking for people who are on the fringes. It's about welcoming people as they are, whoever they are. It's about showing the love of God so that they can get a taste of what we're calling them to. In a minute, Eric and Elizabeth are going to talk a bit about the how. They're going to talk a bit about some experiences from their lives that shows how the church can model this behaviour to be an inclusive, welcoming culture that calls people to repent and be baptised. But before that, I, I just have a conviction in my spirit. There are some people watching this who don't yet know Jesus. I'm talking to you now. I'm sorry, I don't know your name, but he does. I don't know where you are, but he does. I don't know what brings you to us today, but he does. He wants you to know 
that was true that what Peter said then for them is true now for you the promise is for you the promise of the love of Jesus that you can be adopted into the family of God and that you can receive his spirit you can be made whole through the blood of Jesus and he can lead you to eternal life and hear me, that's not an allegory, that's not a metaphor. That is a literal promise of God. Eternal life. All you have to do is repent and be baptised. Tell God that you want to turn away from your sin and that you commit your life to him. Ask him to speak to you now. Ask for the gift of his spirit now. Let us know and we can help you get baptised. We, we, we've been baptising people in our buildings and in hot tubs and in rivers and wherever we have to so that no one has to miss out on the call of God in their lives. If you're not sure who to ask, ask me. My email's on the screen. Drop me a line. I'd love to help you get to know Jesus Christ. But do not let this moment pass. God is calling you to him. To be a church with a culture that invites and welcomes people to come and explore Jesus with us, that's really who we want to be, isn't Absolutely. it? But it's not a given. Mm. I mean, do you remember our very first church service back in the days when we started ICF London? Noel and Ray. With Noel and Ray. <laughs> I mean, we'd gotten to know them and they were relaxed among us. Mm. And But then we invited them to church. And even though it was in our own living room, the most relaxed place ever, they, they told us after, they were so nervous. Ray, mm. he was high before he came and Noel came prepared with a six pack of beer because it was just something in that being invited to church that, that scared them. Yeah, but you have to remember, it is actually quite scary. I mean, it is the first time they're coming into a new environment. And it's like, if you just think of like the first day in primary school or secondary school or the first day on a job or the job interview before that, it is quite scary. But in those times, you actually have to do it mm. and you get over it. But a church service, mm. you don't have to go to. So I think we have to remember that it is actually quite scary. Yeah. And I think when it comes to creating that culture that we want to have that is welcoming and inviting, I think mm. it's really important that we that are Christians and are used with going to church, that we are aware of this and and that we and um, that we help people to say yes to that first invitation or even just with having a conversation with them about you know so uh, have you ever been to church before and um how do you think it would be to come to church mm. and and then just you know talk about that that's it's okay if they feel awkward about it and you know explain what they can expect if it's a church service or a life group gathering or however we're gathering and and also let them know that it's completely fine. It's completely okay that um, if they don't believe and yeah, yeah they, are, they are welcome to come and be who they are. They don't need to pretend to mm. be anything. Different. Reminds me of Nat actually when she moved into our house. Mm. I mean, she moved in and we invited her to our life group that was in our house. And she said, but I'm an atheist. Mm. We said, that's fine. It's open for everyone. And she said, okay, then, you know, I'll, I'll join you guys for, for an evening. And, and then when she came, she just also said to everyone, hey, I'm an atheist. I don't believe the way you guys believe. And she was completely embraced and she felt relaxed as well. And, 
And it was just so beautiful how she just mm. become, became a part of our life group. And then even later on, she gave her life to Jesus. <laughs> yeah, how beautiful. That was beautiful. And yeah, just just um, being reminded about that again, it, it kind of, you know, it makes things about Alpha. Mm. And I think there is something to learn from Alpha in all different areas of church yeah. life and it's this the, the reason why it's so easy for people to say yes to an alpha invitation is because i mean it's made for them it's made for people that don't believe or, mm. or for people that are um you know exploring faith and have lots yeah. of questions and and they know that that's you know there i can be real mm. because mm. this is made for me uh, but i think that is something that we can can bring in to all area of church life just by expecting that there will be non-christians among us and a bit like freddie talked about we, we pray for non-christians to be there so we should expect that they will be there as well mm. and i think when we when we have that mindset of of just expecting there to be non-christians among us we will we will make sure we um make them feel welcome even mm. in the way we speak and that reminds me about um petra and, and john's wedding mm. i mean that was such an incredibly beautiful wedding wasn't it mm. it was so jesus focused and at the same time it was full of non-christians and i mean it might have helped that petra became a christian not that many years earlier yeah. and um, she had herself and as an adult come into um church setting and uh, from the outside and she knew how that was and maybe that was a, a bit of why she was so aware of it in in their own wedding and um yeah it was just something beautiful in the way that her and john stood up before a time of worship and just said you know we're gonna sing some songs now and it's it's songs to god and um we call it worship some of you might find it a bit strange you've never been a part of this mm. before but that's okay this is just the way we yeah. express our love to god so you just sit down enjoy the music just relax and for anyone that that knows god feel free to worship him now mm. and that was so good because it gave us much more freedom in worshiping god yeah. but hopefully it made the people also relax that burned a part of it mm. so i think it was yeah absolutely great and also like when i i think also about the importance of you know, the culture of really inclusivity. Mm -hmm. And I think a part of it is to, to be able to create that is to actually invite people into our friendships as yeah. well. So if somebody comes to a church service, maybe even with another person, it's still like just two people. But if it's like four or five people, you feel much more relaxed. Mm -hmm. And what we can do really well as well is just to create friendships, let's go hiking, let's do biking, let's just do different things together. Invite somebody from you know, church, a church friend and some, somebody that doesn't go to church. Yes. And I think that is just going to be so helpful for people to come when they're coming for the first time. Mm, yeah. And I think also knowing a few more people uh, makes it, uh, you know, easier to, to kind of handle those, those moments that might be a bit kind of uh, scary or you know be, mm. because of things that you're not used to it and I mean that was Petra or other friend Petra's um, 
story, isn't it, of her getting saved through a time of charismatic worship. Yeah. I mean, that was quite incredible. And uh, she she gotten to know quite a few of us from before. And, mm. and then she came along to a church service. And the way she describes it herself, she says she was standing there in this worship time and people were lifting their hands and there were even people singing in tongues. And she was looking around and she was like, this is quite wild or crazy and and then she was looking at us and she was thinking if i wouldn't have known them i would have thought that these guys are weird but but i do know them and and they are not weird they're yeah. normal and through that she mm. realized that well well then what they are expressing must be real there must be a, a reason that they are behaving like mm. they do and so actually through knowing us that we were you know ordinary people and that it, us expressing our love to God, in, even in a charismatic form of worship, mm. she realized that God must be real. And that was what brought her to salvation. I think it's so beautiful that, you know, we can completely express our faith just the way we are. We don't have to look over our shoulder, just look around. Mm. It's like, how, what do people think? We can be completely honest in our love to God as well, mm. in our worship to God. This authentic community, authentic friendships, I think that they are so attractive. Yeah. And I think that is also what, you know, made Antonia feel mm. so special. But she said after the first service, it felt like coming home. Mm. And I believe she really experienced God's love, but she also experienced our love for her and really us wanting her to become one of our friends. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's quite incredible to think about that. She She came from a completely you know, non-faith background. Mm. And she basically said that at the very first service she came to, she felt at home. Mm. And, uh, you know, that reminds me about the words that we heard read just earlier from Acts 2, where in verse 39, Peter says, this is for you and your children and everyone who is far off for anyone that the Lord our God will call. And, you know, we don't know who that is mm. we don't know who god is calling but i think we should just go with an expectancy that he's calling everyone mm. and you know be quick to invite and i mean that was what i experienced when i um when i, I drove the minibus to this refugee center back home in norway and picked up refugees to to come to church service on sundays and mm. i mean there was a there was a group of, of christians there that used to come with me every sunday and and then this Sunday, they were just not there. Mm. And I had this minibus with like nine seats uh, and that was empty and it feel, felt like a waste. Yeah. Uh, so I saw this group of people sitting on the lawn and and I thought, well, I can at least hear with them. So I went over and asked if anyone mm. wanted to come with me to church. And then this Iranian woman, she just jumped up and said, yeah, coming to church. I'll come to church and I'll get my kids. They are ready. And I was thinking, oh, wow, that was a bit, you know, that, that, that was surprising. And uh, then we came to church and, I mean, this family, they had just arrived in Norway. They didn't speak a word of Norwegian and they were from a Muslim background and, you know, everything in the church service was in Norwegian and it must have been so foreign to them. And I think if I had met her in a different circumstance, I wouldn't have invited her. I would mm. have thought it's not for her. It, it will mm. be too foreign for her. But then after the church service, my pastor came down and spoke with her. And suddenly I heard him praying a prayer of salvation with her. <laughs> and then we came on the outside of the church. And, 
and she was on the phone and speaking like really Amazing. eagerly and then she told me after that she just told her sister that she'd become a christian and i was like i was blown away i was like but what is this this is moving so fast and yeah. And then on the way home, she told me that in the early morning, she had a vision in her dreams. Where she had a vision of a man uh, coming to her and saying, today you will go to church and you will get to know me there. Mm. And she got up and woke up her children and, and told them that they would go to church and get to know God. And and her teenage son said, what are you What are you all about? It's, we don't even know anyone here and you don't know where any church is. And how do you even think we're going to get there? And and she she replied, well, I don't know. All I know is we will go to church and we will get to know God there. And I mean, that story still blows my mind. And it just just you know shows me again that we we don't know who God is calling. Mm, mm. And uh, yeah, our responsibility is just to to invite people. Absolutely. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. These these are some of the stories that we have experienced over the past years. Do you know what? This is what we want to experience every week. And I just want to invite you to join me in a prayer for us individually and for us as a church as well. So if you want to pray with me. Yes, Jesus. Thank you so much for our community, for our church. And you know us, you know our hearts and you know that we really want to be open. We really want to invite everyone. We don't want to exclude anybody. So I just pray that you really help us, help us to see people. And I just pray that you help us also to make it easy for people to become a part of our community, to be become a part of our church, Jesus, and that we can be real friends. And we also want to be expecting, really expecting that when people come, maybe to a life group, to a friendship setting or a church service, that they will meet with you, Father. Thank you so much. Help us to become more like you and to become more like the first church that we read about in Acts. Amen. Amen. And also, if you are here and you responded to Freddie's invitation earlier to receive Jesus, then we really want to pray a blessing for you too. Mm -hmm. So Jesus, I thank you, Father, that you know everyone that, that might have received you throughout this hour, God. And Father, we just want to pray a blessing on them, Father. Thank you that you know them by name, God. And Father, we just pray that you will shower them with your your love and your blessings father and draw them close to you and just confirm in their spirit that that you have invited them to be your child god that they are now your child mm -hmm. father and we pray father that wherever they are in the world god that you will lead them to a loving and caring church family where they can grow together with christian brothers and sisters and where they can grow in faith and love of you, God. Amen. Amen. Amen.